town in North Alabama. And we had this story in Clark Cuprat in the living room. My sister played. I'm 10 years younger than my closest sibling. I was, I was a surprise, surprise. Baby. And I am told that I started playing the piano when I was two. Now, I don't I think it used to be six, and then as my mother got older, I got younger and younger, until I was, you know, right out of the womb, I played again. But I, I don't remember not playing. Um, the piano was always there. I remember crawling up on the bench when I had to work to get up on it. And, uh, my sister and I played duets together. And, so that, I, that's how I came to love the piano. And then later, as a older child, I learned that the piano was the ideal way to get out of doing chores around the <laughs> If I ever said, I need to practice, I can get out of anything, whether I practiced or not. Because I played by ear, I did not learn to read music until I was probably 10 or 11 or 12. I faked my way up through the third John Thompson book. <laughs> but I found a, uh, and I always studied with whoever was teaching at the local junior high school. There was some lady, and it changed periodically. And you had a half hour lesson, and there was usually, well, I guess some of them were pretty good teachers. They had, had studied or had degrees, but we were way out in the sticks. And there, there was not a lot of high class training to be had. So I just kind of stumbled in my way through the And I got a teacher that I really liked somewhere along the way. I think I was 14. And um, I started studying with this lady named Wanda Gilman. She had long, dangly earrings. <laughs> I just loved going to lessons. <laughs> yeah, she would do that. And I remember the day, I, I, I learned to read music, and I remember the day I was working on box two-part invention in A And I I had been practicing for weeks and something happened. I don't know if you had if you had this moment, but all of a sudden my hands started working without me really like it just started to happen. This is what I want to do. And at that point in time, I started to get serious. I practiced. I, I went to the local college. I started studying with a professor there, Mr. Walter Urban, who taught. He was a Juilliard graduate, but he, he taught high finger, stiff wrist piano. Any of you? Have any of you ever encountered that? Not the stiff wrist. Well, I, I guess it wasn't that stiff, but. Everything was finger. It was finger technique. And I had a hard time with it. It never, it never quite worked for me. Halfway through college, I switched to organ because a new teacher came there. Her name was Celia Jones. She was from Eastman. And she was a teacher. Now, everybody has one in their life, I think, that, that opens their eyes to music. And she was it for me. Later I switched back to piano and got my degree. And she insisted that I try out for some really good schools for a master's program. She, she said, I can get you into Juilliard if you'll work with me. So we did, and I did, and I went there and I studied with a guy named Joseph Rafe, um, who was really old. <laughs> <laughs> And I had the 5 o'clock lesson slot on Thursday. And 5 o'clock sharp, the scotch came out. So Mr. Rafe would come over and sit by the piano and sip the scotch. Now, this was a great thing because it was, he, was, he started to relax. My lesson was going on half, two hours. So I, I learned that I had the perfect slot for that lesson. But that's where... I spent the next three years practicing. So that's my background. Uh, and then I went, went into a lot of different directions. I got into 
in musical theater. I, I played, when I lived in New York, I played in some Broadway pits. Uh, did a lot of work in jazz clubs and that sort of thing. Then I got into commercial music to make a living and try to support my family. And for 15, 20 years, I probably didn't practice because I just didn't have time. How many of you practice? Pardon? I had to practice for January today because I accompany band and orchestra students. Okay. And so, you, you know, have to young kids even in middle school now are, uh, you know, doing a lot of the Mozart and Cherokee and so forth. So for those, you know, you, you know them, but you have to get them under your fingers again. How many of you have a degree in piano? How many of you are teachers of piano? How many of you are would just consider you're a church pianist and that's it? Okay. It's hard to know. I mean, there's a bit, I'm sure there are a lot of different levels of playing sitting sitting out here. So what I hope to do is just throw some things out there, some ideas for practicing, for working on your technique a little bit, some things that will inspire you to go away. And my, my challenge to you is to spend 10 minutes a day for the next two weeks. That's, that's it. And see what happens to your play. See if it doesn't go up a notch. I learned that it doesn't really take time, a lot of time. It takes consistency. If you do if you, five minutes a day for a month is better than an hour every five days. You know? So that's my challenge to you: to go away and get better. What uh, what is what do you think the word technique? This is this. We'll look at the outline for a minute. What what is a good piano technique? What does that mean? That's what I'm asking. What, what is the list of things that create a good technique? Posture, hand position, position of the piano, relation to the relationship to the piano, articulation, articulate the ability to art. Yeah. Someone who has a wide palette of articulation has a, a better technique than someone who doesn't. Right? I think you hit on the definition of technique. It's the it's the tool box that you have with which to interpret music. It's all those things at your disposal that enable you to, to go to the piano and do something expressive. If if you can imagine it, how it would sound, but you can't make it sound that way. The reason is somewhere in your technique. Now, the solution is somewhere in this complicated um, muscular system that we have between our brain and that and the piano keyboard. What, if you think about bad technique or problems with technique, what, what are they? Pain. Pain is a sign that there's something wrong with my technique, right? Or arthritis, which I'm sorry to get yay. Um, but more than pain, what causes the pain? Tension. I think tension is probably the number one enemy when you're at the piano. And as you go, as we talk about this, I want you to think about your own. We're going to talk about nine or ten different elements of technique and things that we can do to work on those. And think about your own ability and things that you feel like you do well, things that you feel like you should work on the most. And just make a note there. So that when you go home and do your ten minutes a day, <laughs> warming up, we're going to start right now. Because we talked about it, several people mentioned posture and you mentioned tension. So bringing your bad posture to the piano is, the, is a huge problem. 
and we often do it. If you've been sitting at a desk for a while and you get to go practice, you're going to put some bad habits here without even thinking about it, unless you give yourself some instructions to relax. And there are a lot of things that you can do. Everybody stand up. Thank you. 
it's great for strength. It improves your strength, it improves your accuracy, and it works against tension. It's harder to keep your wrist tense when you're doing all that on the black keys with the, you, you, you find yourself in some funny positions. So you get into a more relaxed state. Speaking of tension, this is the best thing I've ever found for tension relief, especially forearm tension. If I'm ever practicing and this starts to tighten up, I stop and I do this.
it up through that whole drill. I'll do every finger and I'll push each finger as far as I can. And it's remarkable when you put your hands back down to play a chord, mm -hmm. it feels so different. <laughs> it feels like it's so much easier than what you just went through. Mm -hmm. you know? And even, even chords that are some, sometimes difficult for our hands to the position doesn't work naturally. And this puts your joints, loosens them up, you're able to grab things in a different way. So that's my that's my half hour to a better, better. You can't do all of this in 10 minutes. So maybe you want to challenge yourself for 30 minutes a day. But I can promise you, especially this first one, will change. If you if you don't have something like that in your in your bag of tricks, sorry. How many of you play Hammond? Do any of you have uh, have a a routine now that you use of exercises, or have you put those all behind you? I use usually scales. Scales. Okay. But then, and I'll tell you, doing similar what you did with major uh, seven, major minor seven. And the arpeggios, yeah. I mean, most of us, if, if you went through the college, any college program, you had to do probably. <laughs>
Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Where, do, where does your, where, is that, where does it hurt? This finger just gets so tired of being out like that for those octaves, you know. But where do you feel the tiredness? Well, one time I had to get steroids because these tendons got so Okay, forearm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that means your wrist is tight. Uh, it, if, the, if the pain is here, that muscle on the side, that means that your finger's probably doing something it shouldn't do. It's probably in here. That's where I, that's where if I'm doing octaves, I start to burn in here sometimes if I'm not loose. All right, well, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm gonna rip through some other things quickly. Stretching. <clears throat> Wrist rolls. Anybody, te any teachers ever show you that? Just common sense, kind of loosen it up a little bit. Fingerboard list. Greg Krishak taught my kids to do this. They would hang their, their hand here, and she would work with them until they were hanging it. She'd bump it, and if it was stiff, she'd say, no, no, relax, until it was really hanging. So there's, it's, there's a little stretch going on right here. Do it on the front of the chair in front of you. Or something. All right, let it hang. Now, you're holding your, your first joint over the chair, and then bring it up until your hand's in a good position. Don't let it not go to the left, and then go to the, go to the next finger. Here's what she did with, with the kids. She would have them do this, pull their hand up into a good hand position mm -hmm. with their, all their fingers touching.
This is where it comes from. So I mean, everything moves right down into the key. One day. 
elbow should move. All right. Now, wrist is relaxed. Only elbow. Only from the elbow. All right. Now stop that. Keep everything loose. Now only from the shoulder. Their feet need to be 
like this. Get you know, get something and put it under the piano form. That's a good point. But that, that was that was probably the biggest focus of their you know, when they of every time they played it. Certainly was the main goal when they were Yeah. This this woman that I'm talking about, Rena Krishak, <laughs> I I was stumbled on her. She lived not that far from me in West Chicago. She's from Russia. She studied at the conservatory there. She's about this tall. And a real feisty, <laughs> feisty little thing with big hair. And uh, a character. The kids loved her, too. She would say, come, give me a hug. Come, 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 come. That's how the lesson was started. But she put up with nothing. You know? Spent most of the lesson adjusting her. You know, can we get down and look at how it, she would see if there was tension? To make sure that we're relaxed here, and she she wanted uh, she wanted them to play with more power. She when the chord came, she she pushed them into the piano from behind, <laughs> you know? and it made a huge difference. They, they learned to experience the piano in a different way, a real tactile. I'm a part of this thing, not I'm poking some some keys down. So she, they were a part of it. Of course, none of them play piano now. <laughs> I don't think it had anything to do with that. She she had them do it right. Very good point. I think uh, dynamic range is we, we touched on this. That's where we can all stand a lot of improvement. Is making our soft soft. Especially if you're playing a, pre a prelude in church, you open up the book, and they're not listening anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So, you, and you're not, maybe you're thinking about laundry or what you're going to have for lunch. And <clears throat> Force yourself to make the soft really pretty. Little they can do and still make sound. 
So one good thing to do is teach them how little they can do and not make any sound.
Then the other thing is look at Ito. There's like, most of us learn to play, it's either staccato, or it's legato, or it might be marcato, right? So it's kind of one or two or three articulations. Maybe it's a little louder or softer. Is that the way you look at it? Here's the challenge, all right? How many degrees are there from extreme staccato up through legato? And I contend that there's 50 or 60. Mm -hmm. There's not 30. And that will color your music if you're conscious about that. And
Some people do, depends on where you start, by the way. Right. But you, you, you're basically working three and one. Thing in, in the um, 